This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's Friday coverage here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and pleased to be joined now by Bills reporter Matty Glab to kick off the show here on a Friday. Matty has been feverishly working the podiums and lecterns where players and coaches have been speaking all week and trying to sift through a lot of the drivel that mm-hmm. doesn't matter to give us the nuggets that do. <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe share with us. The most interesting nugget from today, we've got quarterbacks and receivers mm-hmm. kind of cycling through today, correct? Yeah, I've been the eyes and ears on the ground while you guys have been doing the show. I've been talking to almost all the prospects. There's 319 here. <laughs> I think I've talked to about 100 by now, I want to say. We're going to hear from the running backs and the offensive linemen tomorrow, our final group that's going to talk for this 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. Heard from the wide receivers and quarterbacks today. And man, oh man, when you ask these guys about what it would be like to play with Josh Allen alongside a receiver like Stefan Diggs, their eyes light up. We heard guys say it's a it's been a dream of mine to play with players like Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. And there's been some connections to Stefan Diggs as well. Maryland actually has seven players at the Combine this year, which is incredible for a program like Maryland. They have three wide receivers here this year. And it's cool to see guys who have played together that are now going through this process together. Two of those wide receivers actually grew up around 30 minutes away from Stefan Diggs mm. and, and have kind of used Stefan Diggs as, as somebody to get some advice from in terms of, should I play at Maryland? Should I try to go somewhere else? And uh, Stefan Diggs expressed, you know, how awesome it was to play for his hometown team. And that kind of impacted these two wide receivers for making a decision to play at Maryland. They said it worked out for Stefan Diggs. We believe it can work out for us as well. So it's been really cool to hear some of those nuggets uh, from some of the wide receivers. And then you hear from a, a wide receiver like Jordan Addison, who has been a hot name in this in this draft class. And, and who knows if he'll, he'll be avail- available for the Bills at number 27. Uh, but he said he grew up in a neighborhood very close to Stefan Diggs. They played in the same youth league. He went to his high school football football games when he was a kid he said he's looked up to Stefan Diggs as he was growing up and, and he said it would mean so much to play alongside somebody like Stefan Diggs who he really models his game after so there's just been nuggets here and there and I've said this the last couple years that we've been covering the NFL scouting combine or at least that I've been a part of it with you guys the first year I was here coming off of the 2019 season it was you would ask prospects what do you know about Buffalo And they wouldn't know too much. Now you ask these guys about the Buffalo Bills, and like I said, they have so much to say about this team, whether it's on offense, whether it's on defense, the type of offense that this team runs. Guys want to be a part of it. Guys know it's high-flying. Guys know it, it, it really ad- it's adaptable in terms of coming out of college football and coming into the NFL based on similarities. And they like the defense. They like the defensive players that we have in our scheme. So it's, it always gives, gets me smiling knowing that so many of these guys would feel great to be a part of this team, a part of a team that's been a playoff contender and is looking to take that next step this season. Why don't we move forward to the workouts from last night. Obviously, Nolan Smith almost lit the turf on fire with his 4 3 40 
as a defensive end. That's insane. We were talking about comps. He ran faster than Saquon Barkley, uh, to put it in perspective, an edge rusher. And, you know, that's a guy that may not fit every scheme, but with a 41-and-a-half-inch vertical, among other things, he took the cake last night. He's got the fastest 40 time of all people that have worked out so far, and not for nothing, the top three 40 times last night. All SEC players. Are we surprised? SEC yeah. speed, baby, right? Right. He's, he was 6'2", 238. So he's about the size of an old, old-time old running back. But um, <laughs> he runs like it. Um, he runs better. Yeah, he's not as big, he's not as, big as Derrick Henry. But, and he's and an edge rusher. So he's a little undersized. But, man, oh, man. Uh, for an outside linebacker in a 3'4". Yeah, 3'4". That's where I think um, he'll fit. Yeah. And it was a great little video on online of the georgia yes football of them team. celebrating yeah, back you know, in athens you can imagine think about it you got your college buddies and you're sitting there and you like hey the guys are running 40s night. let's turn on nfl network and watch so they had a video of all the guys watching you know nolan run his 40 and you know the roof came off yeah. the roof they, yeah. they loved it man it's <laughs> great seeing them the so, weird thing was half of them didn't have shirts on <laughs> like what exact were they like bench That's, pressing while watching like, they might have been <laughs> So Nolan Smith runs this 40. He comes off of the field to to interview with NFL Network. Stacey Dales, I think, grabbed him. And he was visibly upset. He said he thought he ran his 40 at 85%. Then the time comes in. He sees it's a 4.39, and he lights up and is like, no, okay, we're good. We're good here. (laughs) And then the funny thing about it, too, was, as you know, everybody gets two cracks at a 40. And so they come around in alphabetical order again, and they're in the R's. And they're like, okay, you're stepping up to the line. You're on deck. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. good. I'm you know good. I'm going to sit on the 439. Yeah, yeah. Call me crazy. This. So then good all move. this chatter about these defensive linemen and these linebackers running these incredible 40 times, the wide receivers are up talking today to media, and they're asked, hey, do you feel like you guys need to step it up a notch because you have guys like Nolan Smith running a 4-3-9? And everybody laughed. I think uh, Jackson Smith and Nigba was asked that question, or it must have been Zay Flowers, one of those two players. And they said, yeah, we've all talked about it here, <laughs> and we think we got to do something because of what they put on tape and what they put on film last night. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, the three-cone drill is a drill that measures agility, change of direction skills. And if you can run a sub-seven-second three-cone drill, you're considered to be in relatively elite co- company in terms of agility and change of direction skills. They had a defensive end run a sub-seven-second three-cone drill, Jose Ramirez from Eastern Michigan. I'm sorry, that's stupid. Like, edge rushers running sub-seven-second three-cone drills is insane. Uh, Luke Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness, by the way, ran a 7.02, so he was right there it's, also. Uh, yeah, it's, it's that time of year where these guys get to show you the, how ready they are. Yeah. And that's why, and that's part, a small part, although the fun part, of why they're here, to see if they are athletic enough. Most of these guys know, the, the league knows they're athletic enough to play at some level and be some sort of level of NFL athlete. It's all the other stuff that they're measuring or finding out about here, too. Uh, we'll talk a little bit as the show goes on about guys who maybe talk their way out of getting drafted by the things that happen here in the interview process, the medical mm-hmm. yeah. examination, let alone 
the physical tests they go through. Another guy who tested pretty well yesterday was Jack Campbell, the linebacker out of Iowa. And we know this team's ties to Iowa players, A.J. Ebenessa, Micah Hyde. This coaching staff likes the coaching staff over at Iowa and the way that they develop these players. And I got to listen in on Jack Campbell, and I was very impressed with what he had to say to media. He had this incredible quote where he compared playing linebacker to being a frog. Frogs have to exist on land and in water, he said. As a linebacker, I have to be able to stop the run, rush the passer, and be able to drop into coverage to stop the pass. He said you have to do so much as a frog. You also have to do so much as a <laughs> linebacker. But anyways, this kid played with A.J. Epinesa. He had great things to say about A.J. Epinesa. He also grew up in the same town as Ike Bucker. The two went to uh, high school Ike together. Ike another Iowa guy. Yeah, the two went right. to high school together, and he said it would be amazing to be in Buffalo to play alongside with a couple of guys that he's very familiar with. He says Ike Butter, Bucker and him are very close. Um, they were childhood friends, basically, since they went to the same high school. So it, there are so many ties to guys on this team. I think we looked through every single prospect, 319 of them, to come up with ties that that they have the guys on our roster and the connections and I think you could find some some connection for just about every single prospect here this weekend especially the Florida and the Georgia kids they have great things to say about James Cook and about Kair Elam you draft an SEC guy there's going to be a million SEC guys here every single year uh, that you can make those connections to. So that's been really fun as well. But Jack Campbell is somebody that I've kind of started to get high on based on what he has said uh, yesterday, a couple days ago, when he was talking to media. And then based on on how he tested, too, his measurables are good, 6'4", almost 250 pounds. So if the Bills need a linebacker, if Tremaine well, Edmonds is not yeah, going to be a yeah. part of this team, he might be somebody that's interesting that this coaching staff Here's, could go after. Now, a lot of things have changed since they drafted Tremaine Edmonds. A lot of things have changed. But they traded up to get him, and they wanted that guy in their defense. They felt it was that important to jump up in the first round and get him. They got him, and he has been what they wanted mm-hmm. him to be. He's a Pro Bowl, high-level athlete, and he's now played so well, he's going to make too much money for them to keep <laughs> The connection is, if that is still an important position for this coaching staff, do they do it again and Mm -hmm. get a guy like Jack Campbell? Because they may have to trade up in the first or maybe the second to get him. Um, Would he be worth that or would they do that given where where their roster is today? Probably not. But as free agency transpires and it gets closer and things change, maybe it is. That's why, you know, we were talking about that, Steve, and I think, you know, the free agency process has to play itself out, and th- there are there is a very good list of free agent linebackers in addition to Tremaine mm-hmm. Edmonds where the supply could outweigh the demand. Yes. Um, and maybe you can get a quote-unquote free agent bargain that yeah. takes care of that need if, in fact, you can't get Edmonds back in the fold because he's too expensive or the demand for his services are too high and the money gets ridiculous, and knowing Buffalo's cap situation – they just can't compete and get in a right. bidding war for somebody like Tremaine Edmonds. Maybe you get a player that's a little bit older that can cover you for a couple of years, and maybe you groom somebody else to be the eventual replacement. Um, because while there are linebackers in this draft, I don't know that there are enough of them for Buffalo to address that position before addressing some other more important positions right. that we've listed all week long, safety, interior offensive line, wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, 
look, don't get me wrong. I'd love to have Jack Campbell. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, I think not, a lot of teams would. It's not a sexy take because you, you sit here and say what you really need is cheap labor. Yeah. Uh, it's not exciting to talk about. But it really is this, the reality of it when, you, when you're this far down the road into your build. And you see other teams doing it as well. The Chiefs did it last year. They, they jettisoned Tyreek Hill because he's just outpriced himself out of their roster. But if you can replenish, you're going to be okay. Uh, the Chiefs paid $21 million for their entire receiver core last year. Tyreek made 30 by himself. And the Chiefs are the ones who won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, so it's, it's yeah. out there to be accomplished if you can find the right guys. Mm-hmm. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, you were there, right, for him? Yes, anything, I was there. Anything was there noteworthy out of him and, and what he likes to do, what he's trying to prove this week? And He had some great things to say, just like all these guys, about the Bills and the opportunity that – if, if it presents itself, if they're drafted by the Bills, who knows if he's going to fall yeah. that far because he's been mocked before 27. He fell to us in one of the mock drafts that I've tracked, so we'll see that um, if that happens. But he said, you know, to be able to play in a system like Josh Allen, to be able to play alongside receivers like Stefan Diggs, would really elevate the game that he's able to play. And that's something that you've heard from a lot of these wide receivers is is playing in a system like the Buffalo Bills play on offense. They feel like the skill set that they had in college can really be taken to the next level. When you're being mentored by players like Stefan Diggs, players like Gabe Davis, catching balls from a guy like Josh Allen, um, you could probably name a couple other quarterbacks that guys would list as these are the top three people yeah. I want to play with. Josh Allen is going to be right there because of what he's done uh, in the NFL during his time with the Bills. It's also been interesting to hear from analysts this week because there's so many national media analysts here and just to hear their take on is it worth going after these position groups in the draft or is it better to do that in free agency and we've heard um and you guys have too offensive line is a position that you could also try and address in free agency and and I can't remember who I was talking to, but somebody said based on some of the offensive linemen coming out of the draft or where the Bills are drafting, it might be better to go after offensive line and free agency because those guys are going to be ready to play right away. Uh, If you draft somebody, you kind of play the game of, and and we've seen this coaching staff do this, of – are they ready to play right away coming out of the college system that they played in? Are they ready to block for Josh Allen? And are they ready to go up against some mean, nasty defensive lines that we see in the NFL and that we see in the AFC East? Safety was also a position group that yeah. I was told there's going to be free agents available too. Yep. There are some in the draft. Where are they going to go? There are some good guys who could go pretty high. Brian Branches is out of Alabama. He's a safety. Uh, I asked him about playing in Buffalo's system. He said Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are two players that he likes to watch tape of. Uh, Jordan Poyer, obviously a free agent, uh, but being able to play alongside players like that would be awesome. So it, it's cool to hear a lot of these guys name a bunch of players off of our roster yeah, safety, and, and be familiar with that. Yeah, the safety class isn't terribly strong yeah. by most of the accounts we have we have heard here. And so, again, you, you've got – I mean, it's – it's incumbent upon Brandon Bean to survey the free agent landscape at the position, and there are a lot of options there as well. And we, you know, we'll talk about some of those with Greg Cosell later on in the show when we have right. him on. But again, to me, that's a free agent position where you say the pool is plentiful in free agency. After the top two guys get the big money, mm-hmm. 
that's the time to kind of swoop in and talk to a guy who's gotten maybe one or two phone calls throughout the entire first week of free agency and is like, oh, I'm not getting the money I thought I was going to get. What the heck? That's when the Bills can swoop in and be like, hey, we'd love to have you here. Here's what we can do for you. You know, we can't pay you $10 million a year, but we can pay you 6 or <laughs> yeah, 7 that, that alludes to, to what and it really is. And when the phone's not ringing, that's suddenly appealing. Right. That's, that alludes to how it really is because you, we talk about, you know, how the, the free agent market is plentiful, uh, how the draft class is a little bit thin. Here's the thing. There's 32 individual clubs. There's all these free agents, and each one of them is individual in their needs and their wants and their abilities to pay and their budget and the wishes of the player, the experience and the age of the player. Every case, while we generalize here at these tables and we do it all week here in this thing, it's all an individual transaction with one guy who's got his own agenda. And it may have very little to do with money for this guy, and it has everything to do with money for another guy. Yeah. Um, got to really sift through a lot of conversations with a lot of different people and find out the one that fits you best. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think there's any question because of the thing, the generalizations we're talking about, you know, the Bills are going to sign some guys in the back end of their secondary. Um, I don't think there's any question about it. There are too many guys out there who, are, who have proven track records for the Bills to spend like the 27th pick on a safety or the, even the 54th pick on a safety. Uh, you know, I don't think they'll do that. Um, this is the kind of year, even though it's, you know, I'm telling you every guy's different, there's guy out there that is perfect for what the Bills want to do. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull off another Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer signing at when fair agency starts. Guys like, who who did he play for? Those kind of guys. Yeah. That's the way we work with Micah and Jordan. Mm-hmm. The yeah, team's back gonna, in 2017, the right. team is going to know, and they're going to pull out these names, and they're going to be perfect fits for what they want to do. How big, Maddie, does Darnell Washington look? Did you oh, get to see him? Oh my gosh! Six foot seven, two seventy-five. Table that he was going to be at before he got there, and somebody that I knew that covered Georgia football said. Just wait till you see him in person. He's even bigger in person than you would ma- and then you would imagine based on his measurables, six seven, uh, like two seventy-five. Yes. Yeah. He had to lean over to talk into the mic. He is a huge, huge dude. He talked about playing almost every single position as he was younger because you have this size. And of, course, and, of course, he grew into what he was playing in. But he said he started off, like, playing some wide receiver. He also played on the offensive line. He played on the defensive line. He pretty much played everywhere and finally found a home at tight end. He massive <laughs> massive dude uh i kind of would like to see somebody that big on the buffalo bill squad <laughs> yeah right. i mean he's a guy worth talking about just because he's an athletic he's an athlete i don't know if i would call him an athletic freak he's just measure what measurable wise yeah. yes he is athleticism wise i think he's like a build-up speed mm-hmm. kind of guy because mm-hmm. his legs are so long he can't pick him up and put him down in an explosive fashion which I think would kind of be expected. The guy's so long. Yeah. I mean, his levers are so yeah. long, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, even Tremaine would would have to deal with that because his limbs are so long that, you know, to be quick-footed is very hard for those guys. But he's he's athletic. I mean, hurdling people yeah, against Oregon in week one this past season after making a catch out on the sideline, hurdling linebackers, that gets people's attention. The thing yeah. that's different, I think, for him and, and that sets him apart, we always see guys that are kind of like that, but – you know, it's hard 
to stand out physically in a room full of guys who stand out physically. Yeah. Where do we go back to every year? They draft the traits they at draft the top traits. of the draft. Yeah. This guy has some of those traits. He called himself the most unique tight end in this year's draft class. I think it's also been interesting to hear from people on the outside and their thoughts on the Bills overall. I think we still live in, in the day and in the months of coming out of this season that didn't end the way we wanted it to. We wanted it to go longer. And, and you you have questions leaving a season like this. And it's been nice and almost soothing to hear from national media people and, and to hear their, their take on this team and, and this and the fact that the Bills are still really great. They're a couple pieces away. They're going to be just as good, if not better, next season. Nothing to worry about. They they have Josh Allen. They have those core pieces. They need to get a couple more in free agency and through the draft. But if they can hit on some of that, then we're looking at a team who's going to be better than they were last year. Yeah, schedule's pretty challenging. Got the AFC West this year. Uh, that's not going to be easy. NFC East this year. So their schedule is pretty, pretty tough, uh, especially knowing you've got road games at Philly, at Cincy, mm-hmm. at Kansas City. <laughs> that's, that's a tough road right. to hoe there. That's Although I will, say, I will say, I think Philadelphia's roster is going to look decidedly different because mm-hmm. they have more free agents than the Bills do. And the Bills have 22. I think Philly has 24. A lot of expiring right. contracts, a lot of older players that are going to get overturned with some young players coming in. So it uh, be very interesting to see what all of these teams look like by the time we get to September. Mm-hmm. But for right now, yeah, I don't think the holes on Buffalo's roster are, are insurmountable by any stretch. And we know that Brandon Bean has retooled the roster before with great success. I think we all anticipate that he and his personnel department will be able to do it again. We have to uh, take a break here. Maddie, thanks for uh, giving us the 411 on the players. I know you'll be hitting it for a couple of more days yep. here. So. You keep doing your stuff and uh, filling us in on Twitter, at MadGlab. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that, as well as buffalobills.com through the weekend. Coming up, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst Matt Miller coming your way. He had a recent mock draft. You'll be happy to know he picked an interior offensive lineman for the Bills at 27. Who was it? We'll find out next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Friday here with our Combine coverage, One Bills Live. Pleased to be joined now by ESPN draft analyst and insider Matt Miller. Thanks for swinging by, man. I know you got a yeah. busy week, so appreciate you giving us some time. Always make time for the Buffalo Bills. Being from Kansas City, I feel like this. I'm like oh. the goodwill ambassador for Kansas <laughs> okay. City to come on. And Is be that like, where you grew up? I grew up south of there, yeah. So um, I'm a he's a Kansas guy. Too, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so, uh, southern Missouri for me, southwest Missouri. But Very nice. uh, we're not all bad in Kansas City, I promise. No, no, I no, no. We, we, we get, get it. it. We get it. It's totally. It's, it's all good. It's, it's all been good. a great rivalry, and it's, and it's I love it. It's going to remain a hot rivalry for the foreseeable future. It's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. good to That's have what those. the NFL needs. You need yeah. your Brady Manning. You need your Marino yep. Elway. Yeah, you know, or Kelly Marino. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you got me all excited with your dream pick for the Bills. I know you even stated you're not 100% sure he's going to get down to 27, but I love me some Jordan Addison. 
Um, yeah. Because I see him as a three-level receiver, Absolutely. and there don't seem to be a whole lot of those kinds of receivers in this draft class. Would you agree? I would agree with that, that there are a lot of fast receivers in this class, but there are not, as you mentioned, three-level players. There are not route runners like Jordan Addison. Uh, now, realistically, he will not be there at 27, yeah. uh, barring you know some right. shocking change. But teams can trade picks. You can get up. We've yeah. seen you guys do that in the past. Sure. Not always, you know, the the motive uh, of the front office, but I think he would he would open the offense up to such a degree. And you always have to be thinking about the way the NFL is now with wide receivers. You always have to be looking for that next guy because you never know. You're one you're one locker room blow up away from a guy trying to get out of town. Well, you never you know. look yeah. for cheap labor too yeah, these days. Also it, that and yeah. the Bills really this draft as receivers. There's always and and we hear it all the time. You the players come in here and they almost talk teams out of drafting him. I mean, that's really what yes, this is about. Absolutely. The interview process here is as important as anything we'll see on the field, right? right. Because, And it is. You're, you're selling yourself to the teams almost of, hey, this is why I'm trustworthy. This is why I'm a hard worker. This is why I'm a guy that, that you should build your team around. So Jordan Addison uh, checks all those boxes. And again, I, looking at ways to open this offense up. How do you get over the hump? How do you beat Cincinnati? How do you beat Kansas City in the postseason? You know, that short of Finding a great offensive guard in the first round, which I don't know that that player exists this year, you, you, I think that's where you have to get creative and, and like, hey, let's right. just go score some points. I think a lot of Bills fans, and I don't know if other fans around the league are like this, but Bills fans, I don't want to say it's an obsession, but they talk more about offensive linemen than most <laughs> NFL fan bases, and I think they desperately want one on the interior. There's no secret from a sheer numbers perspective with four free agents on the offensive line this offseason that they have to replenish the numbers just because you got to have bodies to line up. Um, but I think there is a healthy amount of the fan base that wants to see the Bills address the offensive line early. I know you mocked recently Cody Mock um, to the Bills at 27. Yeah. What is the most appealing thing about him, number one? And then number two... Bills love position flex, and this kid comes to the senior bowl and says, oh, you want to line me up at center? Go ahead. I've, yeah. I've never played there, but, yeah, sure, let's do it. Yeah, uh, that's what I love. I mean, I think the, the first line of my notes on his tape is he's an ass kicker, so I, I hope I can say that. That's fine. He, yeah, I mean, well, he just, just did. A, fine. He's a mauler, right? <laughs> yeah. he's, I mean, he's just he's mean. He's aggressive. Right. And yeah. sometimes players are mean and aggressive, and they're out of control. He's not. It's a controlled violence, really, with his game. And as you mentioned, he could play left tackle. He could play guard. He played center in Mobile. So I, I, I think he's a guard to me. He's, I okay. put, put him inside with the way that he can just boost the run game to bring. You know, playing offensive guards like being in a fist fight in a phone booth. And he's right. equipped for that. So okay. I think he is that type of a tone setter a little bit. Now, his stock has probably gone down a little bit since the, the last mock draft we did right off the senior bowl where everyone was excited about him. So I would throw out the name Darnell Wright from Tennessee as a right, right tackle I mean, he's played Thick. left tackle. He's played guard. But right tackle last year, we saw his stock go from, you know, early day three to late round one. He just really improved as a player. So I think he's an ascending prospect that uh, would definitely solve some of those problems. Is he right tackle I think right for the tackle, NFL or, yeah. or guard? I right. think right tackle. Uh, the length is there. The power is definitely there. Feet? Feet are there. I, and I think the hand power is there. And then the recency bias we all have because you see that se- the season end. And it's and in the recent past has been Kansas City this Kansas City that and Rams yep. as well, 
it's an offensive league. It is, yeah. I mean, Mike McCarthy doesn't want to believe it, right? Right. But it's an offensive league. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do think you, you're always looking to, especially in the AFC, you, yeah. you do have Cincinnati, you do have Kansas City, you've got other teams that are up and coming. Buffalo, you've got to score. LA, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you got to score if, points. If you want to beat Buffalo, you're going to score 42 points if you're trying to win that game, it feels like. So, I, I think we are going to see, you know, last year, it was everyone loaded up on wide receivers. You know, A.J. Brown gets traded, Tyreek Hill gets traded, Devontae Adams gets traded. This year, our correction could be, hey, offensive line is where we got to get better. And this draft class is not incredibly deep on the interior. So I think we could see teams overdraft a little bit late first round, those competitors or contenders, excuse me, to try to get over that hump. The Bills need to replenish numbers at the safety position as well. Mm-hmm. We're getting kind of mixed opinions on the safety class, like not a lot of great guys. Um, I know some people are mixed on the branch kid. From Alabama, is he a slot corner or is he a safety? Right. Is he both? So if, if he's not in the safety class, that obviously hurts the safety class. I know the Brown kid from Penn State is a popular guy that a lot of people like. Beyond those two, though, does it get thin in a hurry? It does. Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M yeah. fits in that. Not with, with Branch, who that's, you made a great point. Some people think he's a corner. Some think he's a safety. Yeah. Some think he's a nickel. It's a lot like Daxton Hill last year coming out of Michigan who right. was Pick 31 in the draft. Uh, Branch will probably go earlier than that. But it is it is a thin safety group. I think okay. you're looking at guys who – I'm a big fan of Christopher Smith from Georgia. I like him. But he's, he's undersized. Yeah, he's but at he 188. But he big. You know, it's like, it's like watching Bob Sanders out there all over again. Mm, so right. I, I like Chris Smith is someone who probably going to be a third-round pick. Maybe, maybe round two. We'll see how well he does here. But I, I, like, I see a starter there. And I think that's the beauty of the safety position is – you don't have to draft these guys in the first round. You can find those day two. So you can find maybe a guy that could be starting caliber, maybe if not right away, maybe by the back half of his exactly. rookie yep. season, like in round three and four. You could still I, find that. I do that. think so. You're probably going to find, sorry, Steve, you're probably going to be like a little bit trait deficient. Yeah. You know, it might be a guy who runs a 4-5 instead of a 4-4, four, four, or he might be 5-10 instead of 6 foot. But their play says, hey, I'm a starter in the NFL. At the top of this draft, is, oh, it always happens, that the money position, the edge rushers, yeah. the quarterbacks, corners. Uh, and left tackles. How's that? The quarterback group who, where you've got four handful of guys yeah. who may or may not be. You know the overdraft. You're going to have um, you know, one of your drafts. You've got the Colts jumping up to the, get the Bears pick. Yeah. All of that's on the table for all of these teams because everybody's going to listen. Yeah. How do you think the money picks? You know the the edge rushers and quarterbacks are going to affect the top of the draft. Yeah, I mean, they're going to go early. I, I mean, four quarterbacks in the top ten feels like a lock at this point. Really? Yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to see a, a handful of pass rushers as well. Will right. Anderson's going to go really early. Tyree Wilson's going to go very early from Jaylen Texas Carter. Tech. Jalen Carter's still going to go very He's early. Still gonna go early. He's still yeah, going to go early. He's still going to go early. Whatever you say. Yeah, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa continues to climb. He's going to go early. So, I think it's, you know, it's good news for Bills fans. You don't need a quarterback. Yours is pretty good. So, right. you want more quarterbacks to go early, push right. down better position players. But I think we will see a run on edge rushers. We'll see a run on corners. So, I, I think that, you know, by the time you get to 27, you know, your, your hope is somebody has slipped through the cracks. I don't think Tremaine Edmonds is going to fit in a price range where the Bills are going to be able to retain him. I think the demand for his services by 31 other clubs is just going to shoot his number through the roof, um, whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. So with that in mind, I'm like scanning through these linebacker prospects, and there are a handful that are appealing to me. (coughs) The thing that I keep coming back to, though, is natural instincts 
where they are an anticipatory player, not a reactive player, and yeah. it seems like they are becoming harder and harder to find. They are, especially at linebacker. It's, it is. You're at, because in college, so many of these guys are just fast, so they don't yeah. have to have instincts because they can be a half a second late reading the play, but they're so fast that they make up for it. So, yeah, yeah I struggle with that too. I think Drew Sanders from Arkansas yeah. – if you're trying to replace Edmonds, is that player who has he's just big, as long, right? He's six foot five, incredible length. He was at Alabama, transferred to Arkansas, became a captain, became a leader. I think he had like you know several sacks this year, three forced fumbles, a pick, led the team in tackles, almost led the country in tackles. So he has that production. You know, he has the instincts. I think. So let me ask you this about him specifically. First, what's the range where people think he's coming off the board? Two, some people believe. He might be a better fit as like a 3-4 outside linebacker rusher because they like his rushing ability yeah. almost more than sitting him in a middle linebacker spot in a 4-3. Is there a general consensus on best fit for defensive scheme, and where do you think he's coming off the board? Where he comes off the board is probably early round two, even though I mean his workouts last night were really impressive. Yeah. So you like like that, and we, we talked about that. It's a weak class this year, so he could get pushed up a little bit. Uh, I think – you could definitely play him on the outside, and I think he would be just fine. Uh, it would take some development would be the key. So, okay. you know, almost in a sense like Micah Parsons where he came in, he's a linebacker, but you saw some rush potential. And they, they started pushing him that direction. Uh, Drew probably doesn't have that upside, but but it's a similar situation at least. Yeah. After you get by the quarterbacks, how many guys are there in the top of this draft through the first, second, first or halfway through the second or maybe further that you think are day one? guys in the nfl uh yeah not many yeah. Uh, just to be honest it is a you know a weaker class when you when you talk about how many guys are gonna be day one starters i, I think it's more developmental this year you know and, and it's it's surprising because we do have a lot of fifth and sixth year players because of the covid year that people took yeah. or because guys are staying in college an extra year now because of nil money so those things have, have affected this class i do think it you know at receiver at corner at tight end you can get starters in round two um, the other positions, obviously running back, you can get starters everywhere. You know, but, but some of the other positions, offensive guard, offensive tackle are pretty weak in the second and third rounds. And then I, I do think defensive tackle is way, way down this year. Tier for me, if you could, the receiver class, at least with the first couple of tiers, only because Steve and I believe the value is going to be there for interior O-line in round one for Buffalo at 27. That might be more like a sure thing than, say, the receiver class where there seems to be a lot of mixed opinions. So under the, let's go under the assumption that the Bills go interior O-line round one. And from what we've heard, that first tier of receivers is down there at the end of round one, yeah. early round two. Where is the second tier? Probably late second, early third. I just okay. feel like there's such so a, the next there's a round drop. Down. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's significant. So. You know, well, that's not bad because the Bills are picking late in round two, so yeah, that right. might work. And I right. think, Chris, it's how many receivers go in the first round? You know, if a player like Zay Flowers slips to round two, well, he's going to go early round two if he slips. Same right. with Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. If he slips, it's going to be early round two. So I think that's where that drop-off comes. You know, from maybe the, the first six receivers who will be top 40 picks, after that it's – like, you're really starting to reach for players. And, okay. th and then you get into the late second round of guys like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee or Rasheed Rice from SMU, Josh Downs from North Carolina. Yep. You start to find some of those guys who maybe they're short, maybe they're a little bit slow, but, but can still be good players. Okay. What about uh, the, the much ballyhooed tight end class? I know Dalton Kincaid is kind of like everybody's top guy because he can give you at least a little something yeah. in the blocking game, and then he runs like a deer out there. <laughs> um, do we... Do we think we're getting to a point 
where teams are becoming more and more conscious, and I guess Mike Gesicki is the perfect deterrent for this. Gesicki was franchised on a team that didn't want to use him yeah. because he would be too much of a tell for the defense. Like, we're throwing here. Uh, we got a tight end on the field, but he's not blocking. <laughs> and, you know, we talked to Brandon Bean earlier this week. We've talked to a couple other GMs. And there seems to be a genuine concern about, yeah, we love the pass-catching traits of the tight end, but when we put him on the field, is he just like putting another receiver out there right. and we're running 10 personnel? You know what I mean? So there's not a tight end in this class that is elite at everything, and they're hard to find anyway, but uh, is there a line to be drawn in the tight end class where you say, I want a guy that can at least – give the threat right. of blocking in 12 yeah, personnel to block. and maybe bring that line, third linebacker yeah. on the field instead of that team saying, you're throwing, we're sitting in nickel. Yeah, no, there are those guys. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame is okay. that guy. He's your classic in line, you know, good blocker, very good receiver of the middle. If you want the disguise ability in your personnel packages, you draft Darnell Washington from Georgia, who's six right. foot seven, right. 270 pounds, and is the best run blocking He's bigger tight than end. your left tackle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he might be a better run blocker. Right. Know? But, I mean, but he's also, you know, he, but he moves. Yeah, he does you know, move. This, yes. You're not just he's drafting, you know, he's, a, a he's blocker freak. only. So I think he is the player that if you really want to get creative, and you guys have a great tight end in Dawson Knox. Right. But if you want to get creative, Darnell Washington's the guy where you have, the defense has no idea what you're doing when you put him right. on the field. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Matt. We appreciate you spending Thank some you time guys. with us. We know you've got a busy week here, so thanks for carving out a little bit for us. I feel smarter having talked to you, so thanks very much. We'll look forward to more of your work on ESPN.com as we get closer and closer to the draft. You've got mocks coming up, I'm sure, right? Mocks coming up, big boards coming up. It's that time of year, so yeah, there's yeah. something new every day. Love it. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. We've got to take a break here, but plenty more coming your way with our combine coverage here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're back here at the NFL Combine having way too much fun in Indianapolis. And unfortunately, our producer, Jay Harris, is the butt of most of the so jokes. So we drive Sorry, over Jay. here today in a big SUV that we rented, drove all the way from Buffalo, and we're going to park it in a parking, in a parking garage, garage. Next, next, right and across the street. And it's a big SUV. It's a big SUV. It's, I will give you that. It's a land yacht. And I'm, and no less than, I think no less than five times did he try to park that thing in that slot and could not fit it in. Well, and th- listen, there's only there's like a, a parking space, and then there's like three empty. He's on the end, and there's like three empty beside him. Right. So just to paint the picture, the parking garage, as you would expect, has you know it's a inclines. Ramp. Yeah, it's a ramp for every level, and they are the angled parking spaces. And the mistake that Jay made was he decided <laughs> he wasn't mistake? going he wasn't going to pull in stri- pull straight into the space. He's going to back. He in. was going to back in, which automatically puts your driving prowess at a distinct disadvantage because you're coming at a 45 angle like this to park in a 45 angle space like that, and in a giant SUV navigating that turn even with a backup camera with guardrails is a challenge so i'm still i'm the only one still in the vehicle with him at this point in time and then he tells after the first reverse situation he says okay you guys can get out i said with pleasure at that point there are five onlookers hecklers witness yeah hecklers. it was uh, well i wasn't a heckler i was just bent over in laughter i actually 
pulled an abdominal muscle. I think we, I was cackling so hard I couldn't I couldn't I control said, myself by the third attempt because he kept backing up in the same exact place right, where he was. Right, he didn't he change anything. He, he pulled forward, not, pulled backwards. It was right in the same spot. He could not get the vehicle and it was, parallel was, to and the folks, line. It was not even close. To being in that parking space, and yet he got out like, like he got out. He's kinda, like, I'm good, right? He, he, he kinda got, yeah, he kind of did the shoulder stroke. Steve like, goes, yeah, I got this. Steve goes, he, and do, I said, Do you want to look at what I, you I just look did? At this, and the the car is like sitting cockamamie inside the lines. Oh I'm no, like, there's a tire over and the he line. He gets and out of the car like he killed, like I killed that. Look I at got me. it. All and good. Like, no, Jay. So then he gets get, back I, in. Get back in there and do that again. And I said, why and he, don't Oh, you, he did it again. Uh, and again. times. And again. I said, why don't you just pull halfway up the ramp and park across the middle so you can ruin everybody's day, not just ours? <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> so after he finished, I, listen, and I and listen, got, I'm now my abdominal muscles hurt again I, my, from laughing. I run out of coffee. My coffee's empty. Yeah, you, you, I can't even, I don't even have anything to do while I'm watching <laughs> this guy trying to park this. I'm like. So, so after it's all done, I said, you know, Jay, that was special. I'm reminded of the Austin Powers situation in the golf cart <laughs> in the bowels of the an car. arena trying to make a three-point turn. With the th- that, That's kind of what it was, except he had a lot more room there than were no Austin walls. Powers did. There wasn't a wall well, there. Well, there was oh, one wall behind. Yeah, but you... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I could not. He got out like he... Like, I killed that. I'm looking. Yeah, I, go, he was Jay, look at, I go, Jay, look. Look at the line. The line is going like... Underneath the car, under his tire, at, a, at an angle, and a no front fender. It's not even like he was scooted. He was in there straight. And it was a little too sorry to once. Yeah. No, it was, it was like at a thirty degree angle, and it was halfway under the. It could, it could not have been a worse parking job. Much when like he started. Much like the, uh, much like the. Uh, grades that the NFLPA survey revealed <laughs> for the Washington Commanders. That's right. That was an F minus. F minus. Jay got a G plus. <laughs> All right. I think we've there. harassed him enough. He's leaving. He's walking away. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's let you know what's coming up next oh, since we just filled eight minutes with that. Uh, but man, was it worth it? Uh, we've got. Our good friend Greg Cosell. It took Cosell. so long we could have we had to do it on a fast forward to get it all. In. We couldn't have, right. we couldn't have done it. We couldn't have fit the entire process in this segment of radio. Yeah, unless I mean, we fast. Think about it this way: the guys running here only get two cracks at the forty. <laughs> he had six shots to park. Um, but He's... coming up in hour number two, because we got to get out of here. We're coming up in hour number two. Our good friend, senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show, Greg Cosell. Here in person for hour number two here on One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, Combine coverage continues here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you live from the NFL Combine. And what better way to end the week 
as we do almost every week during the regular season here in the flesh, not on Zoom. <laughs> Senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. It is the one and only Greg Cosell, who's got reports everywhere. He's he's typing them up. He's printing them out. He's there bringing them with him. He's got his cheat sheets here. And I have to start with the receiver class, Greg, because the Bills probably are in the market for a number two. A number two receiver that's proven in the league may cost too much. Can the Bills find a number two quality receiver that maybe if he's not ready week one, might be ready by like week six, seven, eight to really contribute to this offense? And I think that's something that they do need. You know, I think that um, we know what Stephon Diggs is. You know, we've talked about him, a great technician. He's clearly the number one with the Bills. Um, But they've struggled, I think, over these last couple of years to really find that number two. At times it looked like it might be Gabe Davis, but at other times it hasn't really quite worked out. I think we'd probably all agree that in an ideal world he's probably a three. Um, So they're looking for that number two that has ideally three-level ability. That's what you really want. Because even though we've seen Diggs get vertical, Diggs is not truly a vertical dimension. I mean, he can get vertical, as we've discussed, because of his route-running ability and his ability to set up corners because he's really good in and out of breaks. He's really good at getting corners to turn and to get off their spot. But at the end of the day, he's not a true vertical dimension. So they need a a three-level receiver who can be a complement but can be a factor. Can you drop some names? You know, (laughs) yes, I can. And I think there's two that I would – that I particularly like based on okay. – because uh, I've done a bunch of receivers. Um, I would say that uh, Jordan Addison, who started at Pitt and was phenomenal with Kenny Pickett and then played at USC this past year, I would say he's one name. Okay. And the other name – and this is a receiver that I ended up watching his 2020 targets, his 2021 targets, and his 2022 targets because I kept thinking he was going to come out, you know, and he stayed. Right. You know, and that's Zay Flowers. Yeah. Now – you know, you're dealing with Zay Flowers. We do have his height and weight because he was at the senior ball. And his size, I don't want to say it scares some, but, you know, in an ideal world, you'd probably like a receiver that's a little bigger because he was 5'9 and a quarter and 182. Addison, we don't have the confirmed yet. Uh, I, I guess they're doing that maybe today or tomorrow here yeah. at, the, at the Combine. So we don't have those confirmed numbers yet. Um, he's he's certainly not going to be 200 pounds. He's another guy that's a little right. smaller as well. 195 would be great. Correct. <laughs> but I think both guys are somewhat technicians, r- relatively refined for college receivers. Mm-hmm. They do give you a three-level dimension. Flowers is an explosive athlete. Um and, you know, you can use Flowers and Addison on, you know, jet sweeps, tunnel screens, bubble screens. They're good at those things mm-hmm. as well. Um, but they are three-level guys that can get vertical. Okay, now now the second problem. Bill's pick at 27. Right. Either one of those guys going to be there. You know what? I, I think one of them will be. I, I, and I, I can't sit here and say which one because receivers yeah. tend to be in the eye of the beholder. You know, People always, Steve, as you know, want to make lists of receivers. I can't do that because I can't compare Zay Flowers at 5'9 and a quarter, 182, to Quentin Johnston, uh, you know, at 6'3 and a quarter and 215. I I, I don't know how to compare those guys, so I can't make a list. You don't have a team to fit them into. Correct. Right. Right. So my guess is one of these guys will be there at 27. Now, I don't know how Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott think about these guys. I'm giving you, you know, obviously my evaluation. 
So no I, I, I got one right last year with James Cook. So, That's right. So, hey, who so knows? We, Ten we, minutes after they picked him. No, no, I told, <laughs> yeah, I no, told you before. No, no, no. No, he's saying no, him he and did. me. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> with respect to these two receivers not being big, you know, not the separation is a huge part. It has to be a huge part of their game if they're going to produce they're at good the at NFL that. level. So are you seeing enough consistent separation either at the top of the route yes. or right off the snap if they're, you know, if the guy's in off coverage, you know, how are they getting off press man? I mean, I realize there's not a ton of press man. There's usually not. Um, so what is your assessment of them in terms of consistent separation? Because we're envisioning, like from, from last year's offense for the Bills, the biggest thing was that was missing, at least in my opinion, was the easy button throws for Josh. Correct. And so can <coughs> one of these guys yes. bring that to the Bills' offense? And I think they can. You know, it's funny. And, and here's, a, here's a, uh, an individual I'm sure you know, T.J. Hushmanzada. Sure. Now, T.J. is now a trainer of receivers. And he is a big believer in, in the two things you just talked about. He said the most important things are release and then at the top of the route. Right. So you have to separate. And those two things are not necessarily would, a function of that, pure yeah. speed or, you know, yeah. which is why a lot of these drills, you know, particularly running the 40, you know, I used to sit with a coach, you probably know, Al Saunders, very good friend of mine. And he said, I would love to actually see guys run a 40 in the position they would be, you know, leaving the line of scrimmage as opposed to in a track stance yeah. because right. that's what they do in football. Right. Right. But the point I'm making is, you just hit on two things that are absolutely critical. And you can see my note here about, say, Flowers did not see many reps versus press man. So the question is, but, but you can help that with formation, with motions. You know, that's a you, learned technique. Right, yeah, right, You right. can teach that. You can teach that. Okay. Yes. So it's a little bit of a projection for Flowers because you haven't seen enough of it. Right. And I think for most wide receivers in college football, particularly in all these spread offenses, you don't see a lot of press man. You just don't because, first of all, there aren't that many good corners, and college defenses don't play a lot of that right. because the field is so big that depending on the, the, the formation, there's not a lot of help over the top. So you don't see a lot of press man. Right. So give you know. me an idea of about a little bit further down the list. So if the Bills, you know, go interior offensive lineman in the first round or whatever. Yeah, and I haven't done a yeah. ton of these guys. Yeah, you, know. you get down a little bit <coughs> further down the list, and we've been told this receiver class lacks – a Julio Jones, it does. Calvin Johnson. I had a great conversation with a wide receiver coach the other night, and we both agreed there's no alpha dog in this class. Right. That, which means that you can get receivers down the line, and then it depends. Brownie, as you were saying before we, you know, we started doing this on the air, that you know, what are you looking for? You know, what kind of receiver do you yeah, want? Right. I mean, there's a receiver, and I have his notes too, that I absolutely loved, Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. Oh, now, yeah. Jonathan Mingo is 6'1", and this is because he was at the senior ball, 6'1", and 3'8", 226. I really thought he was one of the most intriguing receivers I watched. I really liked him. You can line him up anywhere. Now, he's totally different from Flowers and Addison. Right. But I right. wouldn't be surprised if at this size, and he's going to run tomorrow on Saturday, it would not surprise me if he runs under 4-5. Yeah, I just see, and, and the thing that I wrestle with is like, okay, we've got these nice guys, Addison and Flowers. Do they, are they too closely aligned with the kind of receiver that Khalil Shakir is, who I think is going to make a nice jump here in year I two? I would agree. Because he finished the season very <coughs> yes. strong. Yes. And so it's like, well, are they locking themselves in? I mean, you hear best player available all the time. But if there's a cluster of receivers, do they lean more towards 
a size player like Amingo, who's six one and three eighths, two twenty six. I mean, that's that's a guy that's forty, almost fifty pounds bigger than and, Zay Flowers. And, and great. And do they need that more? And, and it's a great point because, as you said, it's something popped into my head. What do we know about Josh Allen? He's not shy about throwing the football. He's he's not a risk averse thrower. He's going to throw right. it. Okay, and he's got. Arm arrogance. That's, <laughs> That's a great Steve phrase. That's a great phrase. He yeah. kinda, he'll fit I'm going to steal that from you. I stole it. So go ahead. Okay, I'm going to then steal yeah. it from whoever you stole it from. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, anyway, so sometimes when you have a quarterback like that, you want a bigger receiver who can be more physical and more competitive going up to get the football because Josh is going to throw it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be th- whether you get yeah. separation or not. Or not. Catch yeah. radius. Yeah. Right, those right. Kinds so, of you know, th- that's why – receivers very often become in the eye of the beholder and in how the team sees it. Brownie, you could well be right. I mean, I love Flowers, okay? Loved his tape. Did him for three years. Really like Addison. Good prospects. But maybe they're going to look at a five nine and a quarter guy and say, that's not what we want we right a, now. We got three of them. Yeah. Because yeah. if you recall, and we don't know what Shakir's going to do this year, although I think we'd agree based on what he did toward the end of the year, it looks like he's an upward-trending player. Yeah, and, and he's probably their slot guy. Right. And... If you recall, I really liked him going into last year's draft. So I thought he could be a really good pro, and I think he will be the slot guy. Um, And it seemed like Josh developed a little more confidence in him later in the year. Yes, he did. He was throwing him the football. So, you know, they may want to look at a guy like Josh. You know, again, I don't know if they like him or not. I do. But the fact is he's... All, you know, he's over 6'1", and he's 226, and he is put together, and he's super competitive. What are we thinking in terms of his versatility, though, as a receiver? Is See, he I, limited to no, just no, being a no, Z? Or? No, no, and I actually thought, you know, I, I hate making these comparisons because people listening are going to think, oh, I'm saying he's the exact guy. And I'm not, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. But I think the he, way his body type is and the way he plays the game – there's a little A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel to him. Okay. Now, again, I don't want people to say I'm saying, hey, he's that guy. He's going to step in and be Debo Samuel day one. That's not my point. But he, he, he plays that way. He had great formation versatility. He lined up in many different spots. Okay, you good. could even line him up in the backfield, you know, at times if you want to do some of that stuff. So he's, he's a guy that you don't have to throw it to him. You can hand it to him in certain situations. You can do some stuff. Yes, yes. He's an athlete. Yes, he's an athlete. All right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I'll sign up for that. Um, is there anybody, I don't know if you've gotten to tight ends yet, but this is a tight end I, class I, I know. that's I, getting a I, lot I've just of done, hypes. I've just done Kincaid. All right. So let's, I did Mayer last summer, not yet this year. So let's talk about the tight end class this way um, because I, I raised this point to Brandon Bean this week and knowing, based on some of the people we've spoken with this week, there's a cluster of receivers at the end of round one, top of round two. They say the next tier may not come off the board till the bottom of round two, early round three. That's a big gap. So if you're a team that could use talent in the passing game right. and the receiver value doesn't line up, how do you feel about pivoting and going to a pass-catching tight end to solve what you need in your passing game if receiver value is... Well, terrible here, where you're picking. Here would be my question, and this now is a philosophical question that Ken Dorsey and Sean need to figure out. I've always liked Dawson Knox, okay, and I think you guys do too. I think he's a pretty athletic guy. Yep. I yeah. think he can work the intermediate levels. I think he can run the seam. You know, he's a pretty athletic yeah, guy. Absolutely. To me, and again, I'm not in the meetings. I'm not part of the process, so I don't know how it all gets played out. 
But I feel like there's more that can be done with Dawson Knox. Now, maybe you want another tight end as well, particularly one that can spread the formation. And Dalton Kincaid is certainly that guy. Now, I really love Dalton Kincaid's tape. I think ultimately what he is is he's really more of a split tight end, you know, Obviously, uh, he had a block a little bit. You know, you can. T- as but he's long as, detached. Yes, as long as guys want to, you can teach them blocking. I remember talking with a coach, you know, in Kansas City about Tony Gonzalez early in his career. wasn't a blocker at all, but he wanted to. So you know, yeah. he, so you become a, a good enough blocker. Yeah, you at know. least you got yourself a chance. If you you want to right, try. right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you know. But Dalton Kincaid, to me, and again, I'm not comparing him to Travis Kelsey because Kelsey's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and arguably the best pass catching tight end we've seen. Uh, but Kincaid can be used in that way. You yeah. know, you can split him out. He can be a boundary X. I mean, you can use him in those kinds of okay. ways. Yeah, I mean, because the class goes pretty deep. You have your yeah. athletic freaks like Darnell Washington, and then. You've got other guys that have great production. Like Mike uh, Mayer. Mayer. Uh, he might not be a high-end athlete, but he's a do-everything tight end. He comes on the field in 12 personnel with another tight end. Right. That defense <coughs> says, well, they might run the ball, but they right. may throw it too. Do I want to put the third linebacker on the and, field, and, or do I want to stay in nickel? And right. that gets into offensive philosophy again now with the run game, which we've talked about throughout the season. How do they see the run game now working as they go forward, you know, a lot of people are, are pointing to what happened in the Super Bowl as an example, and, you know, and then they point to the Bills. Look what happened in the second half. Yeah. They were down 10, and everybody probably assumed, hey, it's a Patrick Mahomes game. He's just going to come out and toss it all over the yard. And what did they do? They came out with maybe as, a, as diverse a run game as the Chiefs had shown all year. Right. You know, and I mean, you know, so. It's a problem. Yeah. I, and I think what happens is at the point where you get in these drafts, and like Brownie says, there, there are times when. <laughs> your guy gets snatched. Yeah. And you got to pivot, yeah. as you call it. Um, you're not going to take an offensive player at all. You're going to take a corner. You're going to take a D-line. You're going to take a right. whatever linebacker. Uh, the Bills have a unique set of problems this year where they're Look. they're going to miss their, their alpha dog linebacker, their alpha dog safety, who's been an all-pro. They've got some needs they've got to fill, and they're <clears throat> projecting this draft class in an offensive league against those needs, it's going to be a difficult problem. Look, I mean, I, I, I think the assumption is, and you guys would know better than I being in the building, but I think the assumption is that Edmonds is not going to be back, right? That's, I think yeah. he's going to get priced out I of think he's right. going to be get a, I, I think he's going to get a huge number. Okay, and, and if that's the case, they need to fill that role. And, you know, there is a player that I have watched, and, and he actually worked out yesterday, who I think just character-wise, stylistically, would be really good for the Bills, and that's Jack Campbell. I really from like Iowa. Jack from Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I, I was sitting in the dome yesterday in the front row, and and I even got to go on the field. And he's six five, legit. You know, maybe he's going to be six four and whatever. But I mean, he's a big man. Yeah, and he, he stands is, up. Yeah, and he is really, really good in the box. He's really smart. He he actually tested better than I think a lot of people thought. I love his film, and, you know, unless he tested poorly, that wasn't going to be an issue for me. But he actually, I think of all the linebackers, he had the second-best vertical jump. I mean, you know, things that people look at. Yeah. You know you know how that goes, whether that means something yeah. or not. You know, it, well, people do look at it. Yeah. Particularly scouts, because they don't right. say, well, hey, the guy's the biggest at Why can't you do something? With exactly. it's, not, it's not me, it's you. Yo, exactly. <laughs> so, my job shouldn't be on the line. So, you know, to Steve's <laughs> point, Brownie, maybe, you know, because they're going to need to fill that position. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's an important position in the defense. No, it is. Um, they I was kind of thinking yeah. that they'll sign a free agent that's not as costly, 
maybe like an Al Singleton from Denver, who's 30 years old, won't cost as much right. as a Tremaine Edmonds, right. and then backfill with a draft choice. Probably not high in the draft because they've got other needs that they have to fill. I mean, we'll have to see what they do in free agency. Safety's another position, and the safety class is weak. I know. So with that in <laughs> yeah. mind, maybe I'm going to throw a couple of free agent names at you. Go Tell ahead. me what you think. I know Adrian Amos did not have a great season last year. But he's year, a solid pro. But he's a, right. He's a proven player. The safety class is pretty deep, by the way, in free agency. Yes, There's it is. a lot of starting safeties yeah. in free agency. Right. So Adrian Amos was a guy I thought they could afford, you know, 30 years old, not super costly. Um, Thornhill's an intriguing guy from the Chiefs, much younger. He's probably looking to make big money. I, I don't know where the money's going to come in, but does anybody like – Really appeal to you that isn't going to break the bank. I'll tell you who I really like because I know him well, and I liked him going back three years before he became a full-time starter. I really like Marcus Epps. Okay. And I think he's interchangeable. I think he well, can, you're going to need that. I think he can fit what the Bills want to do. Okay. And, and my sense is with this safety class in free agency, which is pretty good, that right. I, I'm not sure Epps is going to be at the top of the list money-wise. Okay. But I really like Marcus Epps. Uh, knowing what I know about the Bills and what I've seen them do in the past, there's going to be a name like these names we're talking about where Bills fans and the normal outside of the people if we go down and look at the list right. are going to say, who, like, they got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Those are the first two guys they signed. Who are they? Right. It's going to be kind of those that turn <laughs> yeah. into guys that, are, that these guys the, feel like fit their system and they're going to flourish. The other player I really like, Brownie, but he may be a, a little more of, of a true box guy. I think that's his strength. I think he can play on the back end, but I don't know if that's his strength. I, I really like Donovan Wilson. Okay. I think his tape's really good. He's physical. He's a swagger guy. He brings a swagger to your, def- your defense. Okay. Now, I think he can play on the back end. I just don't know if you know if that's where you'd want to play him a lot. Yeah, physical downhill player. Can he play in the back? You know, can he cover but, the but deep he half? He shows up know. on film. Michael all will do the, the deep yeah. half. So, but he can. He shows up on film all the time. Okay. How old is he? Because I don't even know what his age is. Yeah, I don't know. He. I don't think he's played a long time. I. He, I can't imagine he's. Oh yeah, twenty nineteen draft. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll. I'll listen to that. I. Because I, I think they're. I, again, I think Poyer is going to be priced. Out of their market as well, so I really don't expect Edmonds. And it or sounds Poyer like, back. look, I, I know it always comes down to money, but Poyer's been making a lot of comments, you know, about you know the where, taxes and where he wants and to play and all that. So who knows, you know? But but I don't think they'll sign resign him either. So I know you mentioned Jack Campbell, Drew Sanders is another linebacker. Who I haven't done yet. But the Campbell, Alabama yeah. transfer went to Arkansas, yep, became right. a team captain, really yep. lit it up there. Um, the the dichotomy there in terms of an opinion on him is he flashes so much as a pass rusher right. that I'm wondering if there are going to if if the demand for him is going to be that much greater because there might be some 3-4 teams that see him as an outside linebacker rush off the edge guy right. which would be a new thing Even for him he full played, time yeah mostly stacked but yeah. he, but he did show he could rush the quarterback right and yeah. so then yeah. I, so my concern is that guy flies off the board because not only are 4-3 teams interested in what he can do as a middle but now you got three, four teams that might say, you know what, we can work with that. Right. Well, it's a money spot too. You got well, yeah, edge rushers, corners, QBs. You know, those are the money out. spots. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just like quarterbacks get pushed to the front of the draft. So do these. Ed- so do these other money positions. Guys get overdrafted, and when you got a guy that's got that kind of ability and those kind of measurables, teams would take a chance on him. Yep. 
Greg, good to be with you. Thanks for making time for us and uh, joining us on yet another Friday. Oh, it's Friday. great to be with you guys in yeah. person, we'll, you know. We'll catch up with you as we get closer oh, to the draft. Sure. And, and yeah. you've got more of these lovely oh, no, sheets hey. to, for us to work <laughs> with I'll, and I'll, cheat I'll, off of. By the time the draft comes, I'll have 250 of these. That's great. Oh my yeah. 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 Back, back, in the, back in the tunnel or the basement that's or right. the cave. That's or right. What do you you got to have, like, a nickname for your little office, right? You call it the cave? What is, no, I don't, or, I'm I mean, sure your wife's got a nickname for it. What does she call it? I don't call it anything. It's just, you know, I've got my setup. Because I don't work at home. I, you know, I live yeah. nine minutes from the office. I probably work 70 hours a week, but I don't work at home. You know, because I can go to the office. Right. Yeah. You know, even on weekends, it's nine minutes. You know, it's no big right. deal. You know. It's like going for a loaf of bread. Yeah, so it's, I just, you know, that's what I do. I've got my whole setup. I'm comfortable. That's the way I do it. All right. Well, enjoy your meeting with uh, coaches and talking ball here this weekend. Yep. We know you're doing some of that. Yep. And we'll catch up with you as we get closer to the draft. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. We'll take a break here. Be back with more from the NFL Combine and in Indy on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, our last day here on site. We'll have full wrap-up coverage on Monday when we're back in studio in Orchard Park at One Bills Drive. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Final half hour before we get to the tweet sheet from the OBL Fan Friday mailbag. Sabres made a a trade. Sabres made a trade. That's right. They have. Thanks for the alert, Steve. The Sabres have traded this year's second-round pick and next year's fifth-round pick to Minnesota for big left-winger Jordan Greenway, who goes 6'6", 226 pounds. He's 26 years old. He's a native of Canton, New York this season. He's averaged about 13 minutes a game of ice time, two goals, five assists in 45 games Played. It'll be interesting to see here Marty and Duffer talk about it tomorrow when you know where they're going to slot. Well, not him. tomorrow, Monday. Not tomorrow, Monday. Where where he's going to be slotted? That kind of thing. When are we going to see him on the ice? That kind of stuff. He's six six two thirty. Yeah, he's a, Let's go. He's a big boy. So yeah. uh, you are up to date there. Now we pivot to the OBL Fan Friday mailbag, which, as always, is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Tiffany starts us off with the following question, Steve. Coach McDermott said you constantly have to evolve each league year. Do you believe the defense will have a more aggressive approach, especially the way the defense performed in the past two playoff losses? Well, I I think it will be different. Whether we'll be able to notice it or whether it'll be, you know, painfully evident uh, or, you know, joyfully evident, I, it's going to be different. Somebody else is going to be calling the plays. Leslie Frazier's not going to be calling them. And that's what's – so you get a different feel for it. Um, certainly Sean McDermott's hands are going to be all over this defense. And Al Holcomb's hands are going to be over it. You know, Bob Babich, um, who's going to have the lead voice in the room, will have a lot to say about it. But, yeah, it's going to be different, whether it's a, aggressive or less aggressive or or just a different style altogether. Um It'll be interesting to see how it stacks up both with your casual eye and with, you know, the statistics. How do they line up together? It'll it'll be fun to watch. We have breaking news on the Bills front as well. The Bills have re-signed Ike Butker to a one-year contract. He was set to become a free agent. You can get all the details at at buffalobills.com. So check that out. Uh, But it's a one-year deal for Ike Butker to come back and re-sign. So the Bills have begun their efforts 
to retool the offensive line and at least get numbers back at that position. They had four players set to become free agents, including Butker. So Butker back for another year. And, you know, it's a guy you can probably get back at an affordable price tag. If you remember, he's coming off the Achilles injury, missed more than half the season last year, came back, was worked back into the lineup, served mainly in a backup capacity. But he is another player with guard and center experience. Right. So so there's that. There, it has begun. <laughs> That's right. But uh, getting back to the question from Tiffany, I do think they're going to be more aggressive because, you know, you think about Coach Frazier taking a year off. We still have yet to find out how his duties and responsibilities as defensive coordinator are going to be divvied up right. or handled by a singular person. We'll have to see who that is, who's calling the plays on game day. So these are questions that they are working through right now. Coach McDermott, I guess, in due course, will let us know what the plan is going forward. But it was interesting that Ron Rivera was asked specifically about Sean McDermott as a play caller after the Leslie Frazier news came down earlier this week. And Ron Rivera very quickly and succinctly said, Sean McDermott is an aggressive play caller. I tend to think that the play calling on defense will be more aggressive. And when we had Coach McDermott sitting here with us, Steve, you know, I relayed the stat to him that he was probably all too aware of. Third and four, third and five, defensively against the pass, the Bills gave up a conversion rate of 59%. I think it's safe to say that does not meet Coach McDermott's standard. And I know there was a lot of fan criticism at the end of the season that the Bills were too passive defensively. So no matter what the decision is going into 2023, I certainly, whether you want to stamp them as an aggressive defense, I don't know if you want to do that, but I think they it's safe to say they're going to be more aggressive than they were last year. Well, at least situationally. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, I remember you go through the stretch this year where, you know, it was always third and 12 or third and 14, and they gave up, it seems, an inordinate amount of conversions on third and long uh, this year just because of the style of defense they were playing. And, man, it was frustrating. And uh, I know we heard it from fans throughout the season. So don't know if that will change or how hard yeah, or yeah. what will look it will look like. But I, I think there is going to be a big difference in how this defense looks and feels to the fans, whether it will stack up statistically statistically with the way it has been over the last five years because Leslie Frazier had him at the top of every category statistically. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they're willing to give a little bit of, uh, you know, analytics, you know, domination to maybe playmaking a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe. It's, it's a know. mix of scheme and personnel. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, next from Jack, what's been the buzz with wide receivers? Seems like the meet might be day two guys. Who are those in the know excited to see or who's making a good impression? Very intrigued by Ohio State's Smith and Jigba. I think he could be there at 27. Or if they go elsewhere, Jalen Hyatt Hyatt could be a nice round two guy. Yeah, it's hard to say, Jack, because they haven't worked out yet. Uh, They're only meeting the media today. They will work out tomorrow. So as far as workout numbers, we'll get more of a sense tomorrow on, on those players. I think Smith and Jigba has some stuff to prove here. First of all, that he's healthy after playing only two games this past season due to a foot injury. So after lighting it up as one of the top three receivers the previous year, when, oh, by the way, 
He had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave in the receiving core with him. He only plays two games this year. Granted, he still has Marvin Harrison Jr. with him. Um, but then he gets hurt, and he misses the rest of the year. He's got to prove that he's healthy. I think he's got to run well because he is an undersized guy. And he has to look supremely sharp in his route running because he is being tabbed as one of the best route runners in the class. Show it. Right. Um, and then from there, you know, you hope your film holds up for you and do well in the interviews. That's right. You got. I mean, you got to hit it out of the park, be the right guy, and fit the right s- scheme. But, you know, some of these guys have whatever questions they have about them. Here's the thing that you got to know. The player himself and his representation should know what those questions are yes. and have a plan for answering them in a positive way. Now, when you get on the field, there ain't no hiding it. You got you to do it. On interviews, they can coach him up. They can coach him up and say the right things and be the right things, have the right mindset going in to sit down and talk to him. But when they get on the field, there's no hiding what you can and cannot do. And that's sometimes where these guys, that's the only place where they can't practice yeah. enough to get out of it. Jalen Hyatt has a great highlight reel, but he's largely a straight-line athlete. Really only ran about three routes in college. Right. The go, the deep post, and the quick slant. Didn't really run anything else. I don't know if he's a guy that can help you in the middle of the field because we haven't seen him do it, and he's kind of high cut. Those guys that are all legs have trouble dropping their weight and getting in and out of breaks. So can the guy even execute a double move at the NFL level and get separation? I don't know. So I I think there are question marks on Hyatt from that perspective, and I would agree with Jack. He's probably a round two guy. Um, Is he appealing to the Bills? He certainly has size. Does he have enough versatility to offer something different than, say, a Gabe Davis? I don't know, and that's something for the Bills to have to decide. We heard Greg Cosell last segment talking about Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, a, a player with size at 6'1 and a half, 226, not going to have sudden explosiveness, but certainly has a wide catch radius. You would think that would mesh well with what Josh Allen does uh, as he's not afraid to give his receivers chances. Where does he fall? He might not be until the top of round three, but that's to be determined later on down the line here. Let's go to another question here in the mailbag. This is from Autumn. She said, if there was one player and only one player that you would pick for the Bills at any position as your dream player to add to the roster, who would it be and why? Oh, it'd probably be one of the left tackles at the top of the draft. Roderick Jones uh, from Georgia. Jones probably from Georgia. Yeah, he'd be uh, high on my list, too. He's a guy that looks to me like a guy's going to play left tackle in the National Football League for 15 years, or maybe as long as he wants to, Yeah, and walk off and have a shot at the Hall of Fame. I mean, that the kind of physical, physicality yeah. he brings to the table, athleticism, all of that stuff. So, yeah, then then you, you're set to do whatever you want. You pull him in, and, you know, all of a sudden, even, even – Deion Dawkins shuffles down. I mean, Deion goes to right tackle, and this guy comes in, plug him in at left tackle. And How about this? Think about this for a second. Broderick Jones at left tackle, Deion Dawkins at left, left guard, guard yeah. Mitch Morse at center. Yeah. Run it left, baby. Do whatever you want then. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. Uh, but that's what I would say, too. If I like those that guys, pick. Because it's just you, – you ever say can't miss uh, – but you want guys not only who know their can't-miss prospects, but who play like they, they have to prove it every day. Um, 
you got some of those guys in this class, and it yeah. starts up front. I, I'd guy. be – I don't know if I'd call him my dream player, but he's pretty close, Broderick Jones, the left tackle from Georgia, who I, I watched his junior tape and then his senior tape. There was a very encouraging progression from right. junior year to senior year. Junior year, on the ground a lot. Senior year, not nearly as much. Right. Um, almost a rare occurrence. In the senior, so it kind of gives you the sense like he's he's putting it all together. Right. And if he takes another step at the NFL level, he could be a really really good player. The Who would be your dream player? Uh, I've kind of got a man crush on Drew Sanders, that middle linebacker oh, yeah. from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. So if you can't get Edmonds back, that would be a dream player for me. I don't know where he's coming off the board. It might be in round two. Hard to have say. A shot at him. Um, so uh, that's a guy because, you know you. If you, if you lose the guy in the middle of your defense that calls the plays and has for the better part of the last five years, it's a big hole to fill. I know it's not necessarily a premium position like quarterback, pass rusher, wide receiver, corner, or left tackle, but it's not far off. Right. So you can get that guy. He, yeah, his just, film is great. He impressed me. Right. Covers a ton of ground. He's just as long as Edmonds is. I'm really curious to watch him test. He was a five-star out of high school, couldn't get on the field at Alabama because he's playing behind some other five stars, goes yeah. to Arkansas and just crushes it. Right. He goes to Arkansas and he really spreads there. his wing. He yeah, goes he there and becomes captain, captain on a captain. transfer. Like, a new transfer. guy in the room dropping yeah. in out of the sky, that, and they make him a captain. That uh, it says a lot about the kind of guy he is, uh, much like the Bills were enamored with Tremaine for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you want a guy that when he speaks and calls a defense in the huddle, guys are like, okay, let's go. Um, he seems to be that kind of guy. It's, it's an impressive resume he brought with him uh, after transferring away from Alabama to get on the field and playing so well at Arkansas. That, it says a lot. It's a little bit like that. And, you know, there's, they're completely different guys. But Russ Wilson did the same thing when he came and went to um, Wisconsin after playing baseball and all that. He emerged as the guy that they rallied around as well in at Wisconsin. So it's that kind of willingness to move and do something to get on the field yeah. and making it the right decision after the fact. Um, so that's the mailbag in a nutshell. And some interesting comments. You know, we were talking to Maddie earlier about some of the things that players were saying. The Kentucky quarterback, Will Levis, who could go, you know, somewhere in the first 15 picks, maybe last a little bit longer. Right. Somebody asked him why he made the decision to throw at the Combine. His direct quote, because I've got a cannon and I want to show it off. It's not lacking for confidence. He's got, he's got confidence, too. He's going to show that off. That's cool. Um, some of that's hyperbole, but. Here's yeah, I, it happens every year, and I'm I'm not gonna say I I kind of chuckle about it or whatever, but these young guys come in and they play at those power five schools, and they and it's it's nice. You got eighty thousand people watching in, you got big time TV watching in, you're on a big time bowl game, and a lot of attention. Um, when you step out of the tunnel in an NFL game, everybody on the you are unimpressive to everybody else on the field. Nobody else is looking at you like uh, yeah. I can't remember. you know what I mean. Um, so if he says I got a cannon for an arm, so does every backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, so um, it's not about how far you can throw it, right? It, it's, it's that you can hit people. Yeah, it's just a different world up here, and I, I love these guys that come out with confidence, and because you know, either they have dominated wherever they've been, well, 
And if you don't believe in yourself, what the heck are you doing? I get it. Um, yeah. Believing in yourself has nothing to do with the words that come out of your mouth. Okay. So, um, I, I, yeah. I, it always makes me like, okay, you know. Because I've seen so you many guys. You think you got it all <laughs> right. figured out, don't Listen, you? we Listen, we live in a Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence world. I don't know who Will, Will Levis. Levis is. Maybe he belongs in that crew. Let's just say this. I'll believe it when I see it. Let's see it. Yeah. So he's coming up to throw, and good for him, you know. Some other quarterback news. This from ESPN Giants reporter uh, Jordan Renan. He said he's heard in recent days that there has been progress between Daniel Jones and the Giants on a new contract extension. He's not the first person to report that, but he does have this. Getting something done by Tuesday does not seem unreasonable based on the progress that has been made to this point. They have until Tuesday to put the tag on Daniel Jones if a long-term contract does not work. Then he says this, Steve. It sounds as if there will be a four at the front of the annual salary which would mean Daniel Jones is getting at least $40 million per year on a contract extension, which would be a significant bump up from the franchise tag, which is $32 million. How do you feel about paying Daniel Jones, who threw all of 15 touchdown passes last season, $40 million a season? Well... I know that I know Brian Dable's got to have a lot of confidence in his ability to get the most out of him. He did it this last year after one year. Now maybe Dable and his crew believe there's a lot more in the tank for Daniel Jones. If they believe that, I'm okay with it. Okay. Uh, if they're just doing it so that they don't have to put up with a giant New York Giant fan base that is upset that Daniel Jones isn't under contract or that you're going to take a step back and try and find somebody else and you're going to be in purgatory for all that time. If you're signing him to that just for that, I think that's a bad move. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't want to pay what I've seen. I don't want to pay Daniel Jones $40 million a year. I get that the quarterback position is important and that the price is always going up yeah. and all that. Man, that is a tough pill to swallow. And it's because of the production. I'm not saying Daniel Jones. I'm sure he's a great teammate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's probably even a good leader. I'm fine. Yeah. But it's just hard for me to get past 15 touchdown passes. He ran for seven. Okay, so it's a total of 22. Man alive! Like, look at his last three years. He's never had more than 15 touchdown passes in any one of those seasons, even with Dable. The number couldn't spike. Now they, and I understand it's an offense that ran through Saquon Barkley right, first. Yeah, I, right. But $40 million a year for a guy that threw 15 touchdown passes. Jacoby Brissett threw 15 touchdown passes. I know. <laughs> Somebody's got to help me with that. I the know. math I, does not and I, work for you me. You just don't want I don't want to see a team, you know, I just question the wisdom of putting yourself in a financial corner because of a guy who's not worth it. Right. All right, we got to take a break here. Steve and I will close things up on our combine coverage next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, here we are for our final segment of live in-person coverage at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. 
Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, ready to close up the week that was at the Combine. So, Steve, tell me the biggest takeaway in terms of knowledge gained here in Indy. What do you got? I think the Bills are sitting, actually, right now, I think this will change, but I, right now the Bills' needs match where they're going to pick in this draft, and they're mm-hmm. going to get some really good players. I think they're going to get some guys that are either a wide out, a corner, a wide out, an interior offensive lineman, or a safety, even an, I mean a tackle, offensive tackle if they so desire to get one, and they're going to get a good one. Um, so that that gives me some – yeah. Some comfort going maybe in round this draft. one and two, right? Where and I think the way throughout things might line up. I think all six of the draft picks in this draft will probably have a chance to me to actually end up on the field. This night, like no practice squad guys, I think they're going to be active roster guys yeah. with a chance this year. The thing I took away, and this came from Coach McDermott, he was talking about finding football players, and he said, when you're looking for a football player. You want instincts. And, and he, and he kind of harped on that and, and was trying to drive home a point, I think, more than I've heard from him in the past. Right. And so I think they're going to be looking for prospects that can demonstrate instincts, anticipatory skills, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so if a guy like Tremaine Edmonds isn't back, you know, I think right. they're looking for an instinctive middle linebacker kind of in the Luke Keekley mold that he had down in Carolina. Yeah, well, everybody's looking for a Luke Keekley, but we got, uh, you know, we'll see, though. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Free agency on the horizon, and we'll see how the draft turn, turns out. Our thanks to our crew back at Network Control in Orchard Park. Thanks for uh, connecting us and making us look good back here. Thanks to our crew here on hand, including Matty Glad, Josh Pullman, James Acton, Jonathan Harkey, and our producer extraordinaire, Jay Harris who I'm frightened to say has got the first drive back home. We'll see you Monday.